Good morning, everybody. Let's pray. Lord, come and speak to us. We want to hear from you this morning, Lord, what your heart is for us. I just pray you'd give me the words to say this morning, Lord Jesus, as you've put them on my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm echoing a bit. I might, do I need to go forward, backwards? Just keep talking. Okay. <clears throat> new year, new you. Phil's already mentioned it. And um, as you go through the new year, obviously lots of people on the television and the media talking about New Year's resolutions. What New Year's resolutions have you made? And what are you doing with your life to improve yourself, the new you, and all that kind of stuff? And I remember when I spoke last year, I went through the top 10 New Year's resolutions. And uh, we talked about those, and uh, we talked about um, do they work or not? And the bottom line is they basically don't work New Year's resolutions. My daughter said to me yesterday, five days is the average before a New Year's resolution is broken. Five days! How pathetic are we? Five days. And uh, I looked on the internet yesterday, and the, the uh, ten top New Year's resolutions are exactly the same as they were last year. Exactly the same. And the first one is eat healthier, yes, because we've all eaten too much over Christmas. Drink less, because we've all drunk too much over Christmas. Quit smoking, lose weight, and get fit or get fitter. Those are the top five. And get fit is a good one, because gym membership in January is the highest throughout the whole of the year. So if you're thinking of joining a gym in January, take my advice, don't. 60% of the people who join in January never go to the gym. 60%! You've just wasted £100. What is the point? Join in August. (laughs) Makes more sense. 60% never use the membership. After three months, another 13% drop out. Use the maths. There's only 20% left who are going to the gym. By August... That is down to 10%. 10%. Join in August, and then you'll be part of the 10% through to the end of the year. You see, it makes sense. But the bottom line is this. New Year's resolutions don't work. And as a Christian, we can get caught up with the kind of New Year's resolution thing, can't we? Think, okay, this year, I'm going to get up earlier every morning. I'm going to set my alarm for an hour earlier. I know Hannah's New Year's resolution. Tell us what your New Year's resolution is, Hannah. Speaking to that. To get up for time in school. So have you set your alarm earlier? Yeah. How much earlier? (laughs) An hour. An hour earlier. Five days, I give you. (laughs) You'll be getting your mother up, and then she'll have to get you ready. Oh, dear. Five days. But that's what we do as Christians. We can get caught up in this thing. Right, I'm going to get up an hour earlier and I'm going to use that hour to pray more and to read my Bible more. Now that is a good news resolution. If you've made that, go for it. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is we are exactly as the world is that five days is probably about our limit. Five minutes. When your alarm goes off on the Saturday and it's an hour earlier than it should be, 
There is a huge temptation to press the snooze button more than once. I can't do snooze buttons because it just seems pointless to me. If your alarm's gone off, just get up and go and have a shower. Uh, Julia is exactly the opposite to me. She will press the snooze button ten times. <laughs> I just don't get that. It's like you're asleep, the snooze goes off, you wake up to turn it off, then you go back to sleep, then it goes off again, then you press it again. I'd rather just get up and get on with things. But we can give the enemy a stick to beat us with as well. Because you see, as soon as you fail in your New Year's resolution to get up that half an hour earlier, or to read the Bible more, or to pray more, immediately the enemy will be on your shoulder saying, told you, you couldn't do it, five days, Neil spoke about it on Sunday, here we are, day six, you haven't done it. And you're just giving him a stick to beat you with. The truth is this. If you want to read your Bible more or pray more, it's not about a rule or a regulation, or a resolution. If you want to do it, do it out of relationship. Do it because you want to know more about Jesus. Do it because Jesus has come into your life and he has revealed his amazing love to you. And because he's done that, you want to know more about him. The only way to know more about him is to read about him, to pray more, to get to know him, to spend time with him. That way, it will last. It will last all year. And that is my encouragement. Don't make rules for yourself that can so easily be broken. They'll bring guilt, condemnation, and worry, as we've already talked about. But anyway, this isn't really the point of the talk, because... I was praying about New Year's resolutions and I didn't just want to do a talk about New Year's resolutions. And I was praying and I said to the Lord, what do you want for us this year? Rather than us coming to God and saying, I'm going to do something for you, God. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to spend more time with you. What, what do you want for us? What are you going to say to us, Lord? And I was reading Isaiah at the time, and I believe that what I want to bring today are two things, and they're not new. Dave mentioned it earlier, I think Dave said this is the gospel, and this is the gospel. First of all, I believe God wants just to reassure us about our position as Christians. What is our position in Christ, and the security that that brings to you throughout the whole year? And secondly, to confirm our ministry or our mission again. What is being a Christian all about? So I just want to hone in on those two things. It's a simple word this morning. You've only got two things to remember. How good is that? So I was reading Isaiah and these verses just popped out and they just blessed me so much. And I just pray that as I bring them to you this morning, they will bless you and you'll see where my heart is. So I want to start in Isaiah 62, verse 4 and 5. It should come up on the screen. It says this, You shall no longer be termed forsaken, and your land shall no longer be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land 
shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God rejoice over you. Fantastic verses. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, and your land shall no longer be termed desolate, but you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. Now this is a picture of God's love for his chosen people. And as Isaiah brings these uh, prophetic words, they're for his, God's chosen people, they're for the church, but they're also for us. What is the church? It's not this building. It's not a building, it is us. We're each stones in the church. And I believe that God just wants to reassure us and, and remind us this morning of our position in him. God says to each one of you this morning, my delight is in you. Now, when you hear that, you can either just accept it straight away or you can do what I do, which is struggle with it. And you say, well, I know it's true and it's in the word and it says that your delight is in me, but actually... I can see that your delight is in someone else. So, for example, I believe that God's delight is in Dave because he's the leader and he's a lead elder and he's a super spiritual guy. So, I can see that God's delight is in Dave. That, I can see that and I can accept that. But for me, hold on a minute, I know what I'm like. I know what my heart is like. I know what my mind is like. I know the thoughts that I have. I know what a sinful person I am. How can your delight be in me? And this is where you have to trust God. This is where you have to, as we've already spoken about this morning, it's not about head knowledge. It's not about knowing something in your head, like a bit of Shakespeare or something. My delight is in you. Oh, it sounds really beautiful. No, it's knowing it in your heart. Because God has accepted you exactly as you are. He doesn't want you to make a New Year's resolution. He's accepted you as you are, sin and all. He didn't come to you and say, get your life sorted out and then you can become a Christian. Hallelujah. We've just done Alpha. Every week we've had a testimony. No one gave that testimony. Hallelujah. What was the testimony? The testimony was my life was in a mess. I was full of sin. And then God came and changed it forever. Hallelujah. And God's delight is in Kathy. And God's delight is in you. Each one of you, his delight is in you. And he speaks that over you this morning. Not that you know it in your head, but that you know it in your heart. My delight is in you. Just as God's delight was in the Son, as he came and we've sung about it this morning, he gave his life for us. God's delight was in him. You, hidden with Christ in God. That's what it's all about. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He doesn't look at your sin, he looks at Jesus' righteousness. Hallelujah. How many times have we spoken about this? When, when the, the high priest, when you come to make the offering in the Old Testament, the high priest doesn't look at you as the person and say, hold on a minute, you're all covered in dirt and you're horrible and your clothes are, 
and muck and you haven't washed your hair and you're, you're in a mess. He doesn't look at you. He looks at the offering. And he says, is the offering perfect? Is the lamb without blemish? Is this the perfect offering? And the answer is yes. And the high priest accepts the lamb. And the offering is made. And that is exactly what he does with us. How can God's delight be in me as a sinner? Because he doesn't look at me, he looks at Jesus. Who is my righteousness? Hallelujah. Get excited when we sing that song about Jesus being our righteousness. Absolutely you should get excited. Sorry, can we get excited? You need to come to Chelsea with me, honestly. You really do. It is miserable there at the moment. You need to come when we're playing well. (laughs) Because when Chelsea are playing really well, I get really excited. Really excited. I get excited at home, but I get excited when I'm there. And that's just nothing. It's just nothing. Can we, we get excited about Jesus being our righteousness? I'm getting hot. <laughs> I need to take this off. I'm going to get tangled up now. Hold on. Right, bear with me. <laughs> right, I'm back. Sorry, it's warm in here. These verses, you can get excited when you read the Word of God. You can be in your study, you can be on the toilet, you can be wherever you like. But when God's Holy Spirit comes and reveals truth to you, you're allowed to get excited. I love singing that song with the spokesman about my soul being made well. I love that song. And the reason I love it is that I know that there is no way that I can make my soul well. No matter what I do, it's not going to work. There is only one person that can make your soul well, and that is Jesus. And if you're a Christian this morning, that is exactly what has happened. He's come and he's made your soul well. He's made it right with God. The chasm that is between us, sin and God. There's a big gap in the middle. You've all seen the picture of the two cliffs. There's a big hole in the middle. Jesus comes and bridges that gap. How? He makes your soul well with God. He's the only person who can do it. And you're here this morning because God has come to you at some point in your life and he said, I have chosen you. I'm going to make your soul well with God for the rest of your life, for eternity. Can you get excited about that? This is truth. My delight is in you, says the Lord. My delight is in you. Even when you're struggling. Even when you wonder, am I a Christian? He says, my delight is in you. Yes, you are a Christian. Yes, you are saved. I've saved you with my precious blood. We were forsaken, desolate, barren, Unmarried, but in, we, in God we're found, complete in him. We're married, as these verses said. 
God rejoices over you. God rejoices over you. Just let those words sink in for a minute. Do you think God rejoices over you? I'm not sure we do. It says God rejoices over you. I think actually I'm a bit of a pain to you, Lord, aren't I? Because I keep sinning and I keep letting you down and I keep doing things wrong and I keep going my own way. He says, yes, and I saved you knowing all that was going to happen. And I still love you. And I still rejoice over you. Because you're a sinner that got saved by my precious blood. Hallelujah. So that's our position. Isaiah 42, verse 6 and 7. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nation, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. This is mission. This is what Jesus has saved you for. And it is so positive. I love it. First of all, I have called you in righteousness. We've just been there. It's not about our righteousness. It's not about our goodness. It's about Jesus' righteousness. It's about him being the perfect lamb of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin, which is... Come on. Jesus. It's hard work. Until it's New Year, can't you? Right. Let's do that again. Cut out the first bit and just put in the second bit. God made him who knew no sin, who is... Jesus. Hallelujah. To be sin for us. God made Jesus to be sin for us. He took our sin on the cross. So that what? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's how it works. Jesus takes your sin on the cross... He takes your badness away and he gives you his righteousness. It's an amazing, incredible thing that I don't understand, but it is wonderful. I stand here this morning because of his righteousness, not because of anything I've done. This is the covenant he's given us. And this is the gospel that we have. How positive these verses are. You are to be a light for the nations. Dave and Jill going out next week. They're a light to the nations. The people that we support in Yalava, they're a light for the nations. The people that we support in India, they're a light for the nations. What are they doing? They're bringing righteousness. They're bringing the truth of the gospel into those places. You're to be a light for the nations. You are to open the eyes of the blind. You are to free prisoners. You are to bring light into darkness. You are to bring captives to freedom. It's wonderful. That's your ministry. That is your ministry. All those things. And we wonder what we can do. Listen, every time you speak to someone at Tot Zone, every time you speak to someone at the school gate, every time you give out a food parcel, every time you do anything, you are bringing light to the nations. That's what you're doing. You're bringing righteousness. You're bringing light into darkness. And you don't have to do anything. You are what God has created you. 
You are salt. Peter spoke about it a few months ago. You are salt. You will season when you go into places. Every time you invite someone around for coffee, every time you show someone kindness, that is what you're doing. You're bringing light into darkness. You're bringing righteousness where there is no righteousness. And this is our mission. It doesn't have to be to the nations. It is for Dave and Jill, and that's brilliant. But for the rest of us, it's here. It's here. Never decry you talking to someone or being kind to someone or showing them kindness. You don't know what God is doing in the background. You're sowing seeds. And if the Holy Spirit comes and touches that seed, it will grow and it will flourish. You're bringing light into the darkness. This is our mission for all of us. Light into darkness, captives to freedom. How positive a gospel have we got? And we don't even do this by ourselves. God promises right at the beginning of that verse, which is gone, I will take you by the hand and keep you. He says it right at the beginning. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I have called you into righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. You know, when we witness, when we talk to people, we think we're by ourselves, don't we? What are they going to say about me? Oh, what's going to happen? They're going to do this. They're never going to be my friend again. The Lord says, hold on a minute. I'm with you in this. I haven't asked you to become a great missionary um, by yourself. In everything you do, I am with you. I'm standing right next to you. This is a joint mission. It's you and God. God works with us. He doesn't need us, but he, uh, he loves it. He works in relationship with us. You bring truth wherever you speak. And you're bringing light into darkness. You're bringing captives into freedom. And that's what's happened to each one of us. There was a time in your life when someone spoke to you. Someone spoke to you. And just sowed a seed of truth. For my mum and dad, it was their Mr. Lee across the road who just said to them, did you know Jesus came to save sinners? And my dad went back to my mum and said, did you know Jesus came to save sinners? Bless that man. It can be you offering someone a cup of coffee and them just telling you their problems, and you say, would you like me to pray for you? You're bringing light into darkness. You're setting the captives free. You don't have to be a great preacher, a great orator. You just be yourself. And God is with you. God is with you. That's the great thing. God is with you. This is what we're doing. This is our mission. Okay, last verse from Isaiah. I love this. Isaiah 59, verse 15 to 17. Truth is lacking. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him 
and his righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Did you ever know that God looked on the earth and realized it needed a saviour? That's what these verses tell us. He was displeased that there was no justice. Do you watch the news sometimes and get displeased that there's no justice? I do. God feels the same. Do you know that? God looks on the earth and he's displeased that there was no justice. He saw there was no one to intervene. There was no man that could come and save the world. It's not like the movies where the man rips his shirt off and he's got a big S underneath it. Or you shine the torch up into the sky and Batman comes swooping down. It's just not like that. It took a man to come as a baby in a manger, as a human, to live the perfect life and to die for us. And that's what Jesus did. I'm glad that God looked on the earth and was displeased. Aren't you? That's what we need. And you know, I think sometimes we can be really passive about things that we're displeased with. I'm displeased that no one got saved in this church last year. I'm displeased about that. You know, when we first came here, we used to pray as a church for one person to get saved every month. So 12 people in a year. And we stopped praying that and we haven't seen many people saved. Now, I'm displeased about that. You know, God's displeased as well. He's displeased. Not displeased with us because we're not doing enough, but he's displeased because God's whole ministry is to seek and save those who are lost. That's his ministry. That's it. To seek and save those who are lost. And if we're not getting people in who are lost and they're getting saved, then I'm angry about that. We've done Alpha this, this term. We've sowed loads of seeds, but no one's come through. And it's great doing Alpha, and it's a real blessing. And who knows what God is going to do with those people that were there. We're still praying for them. But oh, that people would get saved. As a church, this should be on our heart from the 1st of January. We want salvation in this church this year, Lord. And we're unhappy that it's not happening. And if there's anything that is stopping it in us, then Lord, show it to us because we want to stop that. But this church needs people saved. The church of God needs people saved. It's a whole ministry. Seek and save those who are lost. It's what Jesus himself said. Let's get a bit angry. Let's get a bit displeased ourselves because that will lead us into doing something about it. And over the next few weeks and months, we're going to be looking at Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles in the Bible, and seeing how the early church responded to this Christianity. How practically does it work for us going forward? 
And there are practical things that we are going to be doing over the coming months that will address these issues. Prayer being one of them. We need to pray more. It's not me having a go at everyone else. I'm included. I want to start praying for one person a month to get saved in this church again. And you can say to me, well, Neil, that's not many, 12. Well, it's better than zero. (sighs) You have to start where your faith is. My faith is for 12. Now, if we get 12 people saved next year, maybe my faith will be for 24. But that's where I'm at at the moment. I know I can pray with real faith for 12 people to get saved this year. At least. I want you to think about that. Talk about it in groups. What is your faith level for people to get saved this year? And once you've got that in your heart, let's pray for it and continue to pray for it until we see God move. Because God is displeased when he sees there is no justice. Let's get displeased ourselves when we see that people are ignoring this Jesus. Let's get displeased that there is no justice in this world. Let's get displeased that the lost are doing whatever they want. And let us, let that displeasure promote us into action. God has done amazing and wonderful things with each and every one of us. And we can get so excited and it's, it's wonderful to get excited about the things of God. But if that doesn't then go out to people and they get saved. I always remember listening to um, guys speak at uh, Spring Harvest or one of those kind of festivals. And he said the church should be like a lifeboat station, not a yacht club. And that's always stayed with me. Because we can come Sunday by Sunday and really enjoy being here. And, you know, we're, we all know each other and we're comfortable with each other. I don't want this place to be like a yacht club. It needs to be a lifeboat station, sending boats out to save people. That is what we're about. To seek and save those who are lost. That's Jesus' whole ministry. And that is our ministry. Don't decry the small things. Dave's already brought that up this morning. Don't decry the small things. You don't have to be a great preacher. You don't have to go out and do stuff. You just have to be yourself. As we've already spoken about. Let God use you. If you started every week this year and said, Lord, use me this week in any way you want you'll be surprised at the opportunities that arise. It's just making yourself available. We can close the door at home and shut the door and just live in our little cosy communities and cosy houses. And Jesus is challenging us. He's saying, even as I looked at the earth and I was displeased that there was no one to come and I sent Jesus to be the saviour, be displeased yourselves. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your great salvation. 
We thank you that each one of us has an amazing testimony, how you came to our lives, how you saved us, you gave us your righteousness, you drew us to yourself, and you love us beyond measure. But Jesus, we want others to come to know you. We want this to be a church where people are getting saved, whether it's through Jigsaw or Tot Zone or Alpha, all the things we do, the men's events, all the things we do, Lord Jesus. We pray for salvation this year, that the lost will be found in this place, that you, Lord, will break open those dungeons, you will take those chains off, that there will be freedom for prisoners. Come and save the lost. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.